Tucker Carlson used to be America's most watched cable news anchor, but last year he abruptly left Fox News, having reportedly been fired by Rupert Murdoch. Since then, he's taken to broadcasting on Twitter while trying to set up his own venture, TCN. He still attracts millions of views with his interviews with high-profile but generally controversial celebrities. Well-connected and beloved in the right-wing infosphere, does he still retain much influence, or has his ability to be a Republican kingmaker completely diminished? I'm Jacob Jarvis, and here to discuss this with me is politics reporter Nikki McCann-Ramirez of Rolling Stone magazine. Hi, Nikki. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Nikki, you wrote a piece at the end of last year with the headline, Tucker Carlson's quest for a digital empire is getting weird. How weird have things gotten? And wasn't he always pretty weird anyway? He was always really weird. Um, just to give a little bit of my background and prove my bona fides. I worked at Rolling Stone for a year and a half now, covered talk Tucker a lot. Before that, I worked at a nonprofit known as Media Matters for America. And my job was to watch pretty much every single piece of content that Tucker Carlson put out. And he's always been a bit of a weirdo. You know, he would have his sporadic segments on cattle mutilations. UFO Fridays was a recurring segment on his show. And he also had things that sort of made international headlines, like his End of Men special, which focused heavily on sperm counts and testicle tanning. So he was always a bit of a weirdo. But at Fox News, he was subject to sort of the very brittle constraints that a cable news network puts on its talent. It was the the kind of parameter I like to use is don't get us sued. And as we know, that didn't really work out for Fox. They had to pay out a ton of money to Dominion last year. But now that Tucker is off the network, sort of trying to find his own way in an ecosystem that's pretty well established, has a lot of podcasts, YouTube shows, Rumble shows, influencers that already have really well-cultivated audiences, I think he's kind of letting that oddballness, that sort of memified conspiratorialness that he hinted at a lot at Fox News. And this is separate from the white national, white nationalist conspiracy theories, the sort of more oddball, fringy, very online personality that he would tap into every once in a while. That's really shining through now that he's on his own. Give me some of the recent, let's say, very generously highlights, <laughs> I suppose, from what he's been up to. I, the the Alex Jones interview, for example, to me seems like one of the weirdest and something certainly that wouldn't have been able to happen when he was at Fox News. Oh, absolutely. Alex Jones was pretty outright banned from Fox News. That was one of the things that Tucker Carlson pretty explicitly could not do was interview Alex Jones. He defended him several times on air, but he never actually brought him on the program in his years hosting like Tucker Carlson tonight. That interview was awful to watch really. I think the moment that really stuck with me was Tucker Carlson telling Alex Jones that at some point, like every man with a black rifle has to stand up and defend their backyard or their country. I'm not gonna get the quote exactly right, but it really, once again, leaned to that sort of conspiratorial self-deputization that Tucker has been pushing on his audience for a really long time. Some other notable examples was right before Christmas, Tucker interviewed, and I'll put that in quotes, Kevin Spacey. Uh, for those who don't know, Kevin Spacey was the titular role on Netflix's House of Cards. He was ousted from the role in, I believe, 2017, after several young men accused him of sexual assault. Spacey was ultimately acquitted, 
But in his role as Frank Underwood on House of Cards, Kevin Spacey would deliver a Christmas message every year. And Carlson, this year, brought Spacey onto his show to deliver that message. He's been doing it ever since he left Netflix. And it's really bizarre because people don't really watch it anymore. It's kind of cringeworthy. This guy that has was kicked off his show because of sexual assault allegations, still sort of trying to embody that character. It was interesting because at a certain point, Kevin Spacey portraying Frank Underwood turns to the camera and sort of breaks the fourth wall like he would on House of Cards and says, quote, the truth is I love nothing better on this day, Christmas, than to do a line of blow, drink whiskey and Coke, hit a reindeer with my car and wish you all the naughtiest Christmas ever. And you could tell that Carlson didn't really know how to handle the comment. This is a man who really espouses a belief in family values, a sort of return to traditional masculinity. The only drug he really enjoys is nicotine. And we'll talk about that in a second. But it was a bizarre moment of a clash between these two men, Kevin Spacey and Tucker Carlson, who had both been fired from very prominent roles in media, who've now sort of been relegated to reaching an audience on social media and not really knowing how to handle each other because Kevin Spacey is not super relevant to the culture these days. I think what these examples go to show is that Carlson is kind of throwing anything he can at the wall to get attention right now. Because like I said, he's competing with a lot more people for viewers right now on X, on his new network, which I know we'll talk about in a bit. But this sort of bizarre aspect of his personality that he's leaning into Part of it, some of it was taking place while he was at Fox, but now he's really just exploring this landscape that he used to kind of reign above. He used to never really have to directly interact with these kinds of people or have to pull viral stunts to get viewers. And it's a very pronounced shift in his content strategy, in my opinion. How does it seem to be going for him with TCN and stuff like that. So that's the Tucker Carlson network, a very, a very inventive name that he's come up with there. But how is this lean going for him? Is he still getting a major audience? And how does that compare with his Fox audience that he had? I think it's a little difficult to tell right now for two reasons. Uh, Twitter is not forced to publish ratings like cable news networks are. And I think it's been pretty well established that the new sort of view count that Elon Musk implemented at Twitter is not a really accurate description of how many people are actually watching a broadcast or a clip on Twitter or even looking at a tweet. The metric just counts how many times a post appeared on someone's timeline. And we know that since Tucker first launched his show on X, his viewership has kind of diminished. He still gets a couple million impressions, but it's nowhere near the height when he first launched, because that one, that went really viral. It got a lot of attention. He's panned out at like, I think probably like two to 4 million views per video or impressions. Cause I don't even want to call it views. We also don't really have a lot of insight into how TCN is doing because a, it's been very recently launched. And if I was launching a new independent network, I would be very reticent to publish my subscription data so soon after launching. You kind of just want the, to give the impression that things are going well. What I can say about TCN is I think the strategy Carlson and his production team are implementing is 
any second of footage produced by Carlson is going to be repackaged as a show. I think if I read you through some of the names of what Carlson is offering to viewers for between six and nine dollars a month, depending on how you choose to subscribe. The show titles are the Tucker Carlson interview after the Tucker Carlson interview, Tucker Uncensored, TC Shorts, Ask Tucker. It's entirely Tucker centric at this point. And I think one of the interesting things that's happening here is a lot of independent right wing content creators provide most of their content for free. And then they'll have sort of a smaller subset of content that is available to viewers for a subscription. You have Steven Crowder's Mug Club. You have Tim Pool has his own sort of, he has his stream and then he has his subscription-based content. But, and typically the free content outweighs the, the paid content. Tucker, as far as we can tell, he is inverting that model. It looks like the majority of the content he's producing is going to be behind a paywall. And that that's a bit of a gamble because as we know, most people nowadays, especially younger people, are turning towards social media to get their news, to get their content. I think he had the option of going to a big streaming platform like Rumble or Twitch or even YouTube. He had sort of the option of creating his own kind of situation where he could offer a lot of content for free, pay well a little bit of it. But I think Carlson is aiming toward a model more similar to Glenn Beck, another former Fox host who was fired from the network, began his own project, The Blaze. And The Blaze does quite well, but it's nowhere near as big as a Daily Wire or one of these other outfits that operates under a subscription model and has a wide range of personalities. Right now, Tucker, the Tucker Carlson network is entirely Tucker Carlson. He really has to figure out how much of his audience is willing to pay a fee for access to him. Is one benefit to Tucker Carlson of having left Fox the fact that he he used to pitch himself as an outsider, but he very obviously wasn't. He'd been a CNN commentator, then moved over to Fox, and then done incredibly well at a, a massive cable news network. So this pitch that he was an outsider and kind of down on his luck in whatever ways or left behind, whatever way he wants to frame it, was just not true. But now... Actually, he's in more of a position, I suppose, to make that somewhat more believable that he's too weird even for Fox and that's because he tells the truth is how he can frame it to his listeners. Is that the the kind of route he's going to go down? Yeah, and I will point out that Tucker was also on MSNBC at one point. He's he's hit and been been kicked out of basically every major cable news network (laughs) in the United States at this point. Carlson framing himself as an outsider for years Like you said, it did not make sense when he was at Fox. Fox is the largest cable news network in the country. It had the most sort of consistent viewership. And Tucker Carlson benefited from the fact that every night his show was beamed into the homes of millions of people. And there's been some really interesting studies, particularly a YouGov poll that came out last year, showing that among Republican cable news viewers, media consumers, Tucker Carlson is one of the most trusted right-wing personalities in the media ecosystem. And we combine this with this idea that like the audience for cable news is shrinking. It's been shrinking for years. And Tucker Carlson has already built sort of this relationship of trust with his viewers. They view him as a reliable source of information, despite the fact that for years he's been an opinion host and he's been wrong about so many things. 
for me, the way I see it, Carlson has always been a chameleon. Throughout his career, people have wondered, and the question has been posed countless times in so many think pieces and op-eds, how much of what Tucker Carlson says and believes is serious is actually what's in his heart. In my opinion, it does not matter. What Tucker Carlson is doing, his audience takes his word as gospel. And I think the important thing to remember when discussing Tucker Carlson's position as a quote-unquote outsider was that he wasn't even within the media ecosystem while he was at Fox. He sat on top of it. He was a kingmaker. Anything he said, he enjoyed a downstream system of ecosystem of influencers, podcasters, right-wing commentators that Tucker Carlson could lead right up to the line. You know how you say you can like take lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Carlson would lead his horses to water and the horses would enthusiastically jump into the lake. Anything that he could not say because his job at Fox might be at risk, he had a whole system of people who were willing to say the quiet part out loud for him. Now he has shifted from being on top of that network to within it, to competing for it. The notion that this network exists outside or on the fringes of media, I think is incorrect. This network is increasingly becoming the primary way through which conservative audiences and Republican voters consume news and information. So of course, Carlson is going to posture himself as a maligned individual who was censored by the elite media. When he launched the Tucker Carlson network, he paid a bunch of trucks with big signs on them to go park outside of like the New York Times and CNN's headquarters and say corporate media is dead. Corporate media has been dead within Republican politics for a really long time, especially after the 2020 election. Republican and conservative voters, their trust in established right-wing media outfits diminished incredibly. Also in Fox News, when Fox News came out and finally acknowledged that Biden had won the presidency, Fox News viewers were furious. The network experienced an intense backlash to it. Carlson's posturing as an outsider is not necessarily an accurate commentary on the state of right-wing media. It's a propagandic tool to attempt to bring sort of that fringe, that fever swampy ecosystem that has increasingly become the dominant force in right-wing politics to legitimize it even further. And again, I say fringe very loosely here, but I think Carlson, he's operating under a notion of grievance politics. I think it will also only take him so far, if that makes sense. When it comes to influence, I know GOP politicians used to be relatively scared of him, to be honest. He could kind of create these pylons when it came to policy or whatever else it might be. Does he still wield any of that or has that completely gone? I mean, particularly with the fact that he, those emails came out where he was, let's say, not flattering about <laughs> Donald Trump and his links with those people seem to have disappeared. And as you say, he's not beaming straight into people's TVs anymore. What power does he still have? So I've noticed a really interesting shift in the last couple months. That, what you pointed out, is I think one of the biggest losses Carlson has experienced since his departure from Fox. He wasn't just an assignment editor for right-wing media. He was also an assignment editor 
for a lot of American politicians. It's one thing to turn on your TV and have a news channel playing in the background, which is what a lot of lawmakers did. It's what Trump did for decades. He would just turn on Fox, or not decades, for years. He would turn on Fox News and he would tweet about it. And that sort of informed what policy decisions and what was on the president's mind. And it was the same for a lot of lawmakers. It's a lot more difficult to have to take time out of your day to go to Tucker Carlson's Twitter, seek out the video, watch it for an hour. Twitter is not a good platform for video distribution. We we can talk more about that in a bit. But Tucker really lost the direct line he had to a lot of lawmakers. And that has severely diminished his ability to influence domestic policies. What I have noticed is he has leaned very hard into attempting to influence international politics. He's done a lot of interviews with politicians from South America, from Eastern Europe. We obviously know he has a very chummy relationship with Viktor Orban. He's still really focused on the debacle in Ukraine. I think one of the things where Carlson, and it doesn't get reported on enough in my opinion, and I will try to do more, but Carlson is really working hard on the right wing's mission to export the model of American republicanism to right wing governments abroad. And I think that is where his influence still remains extremely strong. I think among right wing politicians outside of the United States, he's still seen as this huge figure, this huge platform. He's established a reputation already as someone who has access to these world leaders, who has the ability to interview them and will sort of allow them to spread their dogma and ideology without a lot of pushback, who will log them for their more controversial controversial positions. So I think that is one aspect of his programming that he's really tried to strengthen since leaving Fox News. Because at Fox, major interviews like that I still had to go through a bit of an approval process, even if it was only like tacit, someone in, uh, some higher up like signing off on it. And now he has the independence to do that pretty much at will. Could almost the best thing to happen for Tucker Carlson, which he wouldn't really be able to say out loud, be for Donald Trump to lose in 2024? Because Donald Trump takes up so much space within the Republican Party and the the ecosphere and all discussion centres to him. And realistically, it feels like a foregone conclusion that he is the person who will, will run for the presidency for the GOP. And he is that figurehead. If he wins again, it's then harder for Tucker Carlson to be able to keep going with the politics of grievance, see sort of the people that he's wanting to reach out to, to some extent will have the person they want in power. A lot of that pushback, which he can do, the friction of his content diminishes. So realistically, should he kind of be hoping Trump totally wipes out so he can do this all again and use that to boost himself for another few years? I think if Trump lost, that's absolutely what would happen. I think the the ground has already been primed for Republicans to claim election interference, shenanigans, should Trump lose in 2024. But what we also know that if Trump wins, he plans to grant himself a vast array of executive powers in order to carry out his agenda. This is particularly true in the case of immigration, to carry that out, out that agenda without necessarily having to consult Congress or have to go through any sort of the bureaucratic process processes that dictate American governance. And in that sense, I think that would be good, very good for Tucker Carlson and Republicans. I don't think a second Trump administration would be unwelcome by him. 
Carlson was extremely influential in dictating or sort of attempting to dictate to Trump's policies in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. He was very influential in dictating Republicans across the board from like Trump down to Congress, down to governors across various states, uh, Republicans' response to immigration. If Trump wins and if Republicans have a good showing in November, I think Carlson will use that to once again try and push forward policy proposals that he views as beneficial to Republicans. And, you know, he has about a year to do that. He has about a year to build his profile to a place where he's remade and rebuilt those inroads he has to Republican lawmakers. But I think, to your point, win or lose, Republicans are going to spin the outcome of Trump's re-election bid to their advantage. I don't see a world where Trump loses and there isn't an intense, potentially violent response from conservatives. And I don't see a world where he wins and everyone's just like, ah, okay, our work here is done. If Trump wins, I think there will be just as much damage to American institutions as if he loses. On a final question, I kind of would like to never have to watch any Tucker Carlson ever again. But is that basically a complete and utter pipe dream? Because no matter what, there's always going to be people he can make angry. So is he just completely here to stay? Yeah. I think one of the things that (laughs) his critics hold on to is he's absolutely not the first person that people thought Fox News could live without to be fired from the network and just sort of continue existing. The APM time slot at time slot at Fox News is a highly coveted position. It's one of the biggest positions in media. It's sort of a guaranteed slingshot into stardom. But we saw what happened to Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly got fired after the sexual harassment allegations. So did Roger Ailes in that same kind of time period. But Bill O'Reilly still exists. He has his radio show. He's relatively successful. And every once in a while, he pops up, says something controversial, he gets some backlash, but really he kind of exists within his own audience. He no longer has the reach and influence he once had. Glenn Beck also got fired from Fox News, has The Blaze, has several other right-wing personalities within his roster. And, you know, every once in a while, they say something controversial, makes a couple headlines, but it's by no means a driving force in the conversation. That is the worst case scenario we can expect for Tucker Carlson. He will continue to have his career. He will make headlines every once in a while. He'll exist. What I will say is Tucker Carlson is trying to break that mold. He is trying to prove that he independently can get fired from the largest cable news network in the country, lose his position on the most coveted time slot in American media and outshine his past employer. That is what he wants to prove. And if he does that, well, holy shit, like, all right, fuck it. Uh, we're, we're back to square one. We're back to Tucker Carlson being the main head of the Hydra. But once again, it's a very competitive ecosystem. Uh, it is rapidly shifting. I personally think the avenues he's gone for including X and an independent website are not necessarily 
the best options if you're trying to like quickly gain traction and quickly make a name for yourself within independent content creation X, because it's a terrible platform for video independent website, because people don't really want to pay. People already have a lot of subscriptions. You're going to have to do a lot of convincing to get people to pay you more money. So if he makes it work, I think it'll be a pretty redefining model for right-wing content creators, for content creators as a whole. But at the worst case, he'll sort of disappear into his corner. He'll come out every once in a while. And I think that's the best we can hope for. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. <laughs> well, Nikki, fingers crossed. And hopefully we can speak again in the future about not Tucker Carlson. Let's of course. Hope. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. <laughs> and thank you for listening to The Bunker. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember you can support us on Patreon. For free pound a month, you'll get episodes ad-free and early. Just search Bunker Patreon Podcast or follow the link in the show notes. I'm Jacob Jarvis. Thank you for joining me for The Bunker USA. Hello, I'm Ross Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now? The politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. The Bunker Daily was presented by Podmasters Managing Editor, Jacob Jarvis. The group editor was Andrew Harrison, and the producers... For Chris Jones and me, Alex Reese. Art direction by James Parrott. Music by Simon Williams. The Bunker is a Podmasters production.